This week, we are sharing the microphone with the American Humane Hero Veterinary Nurse Award winner, Julie Netafi. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and viewfinder family. This week, this is a story that we can't wait to share with you because just announced the 2020 American Humane Hero Veterinary Nurse of the Year is one of our own, a special veterinary technician from North Carolina State University College of Veterinary Medicine. And we just can't wait to introduce you to her. She's phenomenal. But before we get into all that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Before we get into this amazing conversation and, and, and this very, very special guest that I'm excited to talk about, just want to reach out to my fellow colleagues um, to talk about a very special project that's been started on Facebook called the Veterinary Industry Giving Tree. So it's a group you can search and find Veterinary Industry Giving Tree, and we'll include links in the show podcast. Um, the opportunity here is to give, nominate, um, or donate for families or individuals that are in need that have been affected by COVID to make sure that each and every one of our colleagues has a very, very happy holidays. So please check that out. Come on down and and just help make the holidays special for someone um, in our profession. Uh, And I thank you very much for that. And in the meantime, as you're doing that, let's listen to this conversation today (laughs) with Miss Julie Nedefi. Miss Julie, first of all, I want to read a few of the quotes about her that were turned in in her nominations and by individuals who know her. And the first one that stood out to me was, she makes things happen. Uh, People in veterinary medicine care about animals. That's what we do. But to the degree to which she does is remarkable. Miss Julie Nedefi is a licensed veterinary technician with a specialty in neurology. She's worked at the North Carolina Center for Veterinary Medicine for more than 20 years. And she's had a variety of positions, but she's currently focused on research and clinical support for the the Center for Veterinary Medicine. And she's including, um, this is to be including a neurology services Companion Animal Epilepsy Research Program um, and the Nutrition Service, which I think is just absolutely fascinating in an area that needs the research. So we are beyond excited to welcome Miss Julie Nedefi. Thank you so much, Dr. Ward and Becky. This is such an honor to, to be on the program this morning and a huge honor. I'm just honored and humbled to be um, the American Humane Veterinary Nurse 2020. Just Pretty incredible on all levels. Oh, Thanks. Julie, you you totally deserved and earned it. And uh, many of the viewfinder family knows I've been a longtime judge for the American Humane uh, Hero Veterinarian and Hero Veterinary Nurse Awards. And I can tell you, Julie, you had some stiff competition this year. Hundreds and hundreds of nominees uh, were received, and we had to break it down and break it down and break it down. And you know, Julie, you just kept rising to the top. You had such a strong nomination to begin with. And then as we dug deeper into your story, it was just something that was so special. Uh, and, and again, as, as Becky pointed out, Julie, you have been at the North Carolina State Veterinary School for over 20 years. But before that, tell us a little bit about like, how did you get into veterinary nursing? How did you get to North Carolina? I mean, tell us a little bit about <laughs> that story, because it's remarkable. 
Yes. Um, yeah, it is actually a really neat story. Um, and and being part of this whole award program has been really fun because in the COVID year, we couldn't do video, for example, at the university. But instead, um, they've kind of um, allowed me to go back into my story as well and share pieces of it coming forward um, in, in the total story that was shared. And so, yes, I grew up in southern Minnesota, Fairmont. You betcha. And, <laughs> and my father actually was... Um, it's a little bit of a small town, uh, southern Minnesota, ag town. And so many people wore many hats. My father did as well. He was kind of animal control, um, uh, Department of Natural Resources uh, support for any orphaned animals. Um, and then he did some police work as well. And um, he shared the double role because he was a huge animal lover and advocate. And um, so really about the time I could walk, I was working with him and I was the middle of five. Um, so that was, became my role. I, I um, just gravitated towards animals kind of naturally, but loved what he did. And he really started to teach and coach me how to um, work with a variety of species. We, we nursed wildlife back to health, uh, uh, many domestic animals. And because I was um, a young girl, um, a lot of times stray or orphaned animals would actually come to me if they were out and fearful versus uh, a man just by the nature of, you know, intimidation, I guess. But so I began that role very young and 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 then just loved um, being a part of that. And as I went through different um, jobs growing up as a teen, started working with, you know, um, local kennel. Um, I became um, active in a vocational industrial club in high school, which had the only <laughs> veterinary um, slot for training for um, high school students, so a work type thing. Um, and I, I was the one that was fortunate enough to get the job at, um, at Fairmont Veterinary Hospital. And so that really got me into veterinary medicine pretty intensely. I was already caring for many animals with my father through the humane um, humane and animal um, care needs in our county and city. But that really put me into the profession. Um, and it was there that really I was nurtured, you know, by the veterinarians. And I was looking at the veterinary angle for sure. Um, but there was a licensed veterinary technician, licensed veterinary nurse at that practice at the time, one of the first probably in, in our program as it goes back. And um, she really um, taught me a lot about what the profession was. She had kind of mentored another wo woman that had gone um, to the University of Minnesota Wasika, which is where I went um, for my training. Um, and so she was already a very young, <laughs> a very strong advocate for veterinary and I gravitated much more towards um, the nursing portion in general um, than diagnostics, for example. I loved nothing better, you know, than sitting there with, you know, an old kitty cat in renal failure and helping to get it to eat or um, supporting, you know, even as a high schooler, they allowed me to uh, and trained me um, to become 
a little bit active in some of the surgeries and some of the um, C-sections and things like that. So I really gravitated towards the nursing angle. And when I learned more about it, really realized that that was the angle that fit me um, a lot more um, at that point. So, and you know, Julie, that's a really important point, and one that Becky makes uh, on the podcast just frequently, and I, I second it. And that is the fact that you know somehow veterinary technicians—it's not a consolation prize, you know, from right. not going to vet school. There are so many people just like yourself who, at an early age, identified I really like the nursing component, the patient yeah. care component, and and I think that you know that's something that really not only has propelled you individually and in, you know in your career path, but it's also what's lifting up the entire profession. Now, th- what I find remarkable about this story too, Becky, is the fact that she was influenced by another LVT, CVT, RVT or whatever, right? Because that's what we, we see lacking so often in these stories. Like when we've had, you know, minority veterinarians and veterinary nurses on the show, they're always like, I didn't see someone like me. So you feel like, Julie, that made a big impact actually seeing someone in this role that you could then model a career after. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She was, I mean, she was very instrumental in and helping me learn, um, you know, what they did. I mean, up till that point, I too had only heard about, you know, people working at practices, but then the veterinarian as the professional role. And so working with her and seeing the variety of different things that she did, I mean, she was absolutely critical. in that practice on so many different levels from, you know, she, she was utilized at a very, very high level. And that was many, many years ago. Um, and to see that and to see how, um, how influential and how woven she was into every single area of the practice from, you know, working with the clients and educating, which I also love and have, you know, done even, even in my role way back as a high school, um, you know, intern at that practice, you know, to today and, and the laboratory work, the work with the animals, um, the diagnostics, the, she was, she was very involved in management as well. So I got to see how um, woven she was into the entire practice and, you know, that she wasn't utilized just for kennels, though every single one of us, you know, if you're in this profession, you get that opportunity. Right, right. <laughs> but but she was really um, instrumental and critical in in the entire functioning. In fact, when when she took some time off, you know, <laughs> you could. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've all been there, Julie. We've all yeah. been there. <laughs> so so yeah, and and the, and you know, then going back as as Becky says, and and it is true, it wasn't. It was never a consolation prize. I saw it as, you know, a huge opportunity and in a really neat way for me to um, bring my skills and interest and my passion, you know, and kind of my soul um, into the profession in a in a different way. So, so Miss Julie, it makes me want to ask you about that passion. So, in what point in time did you decide? the neurology specialty was, was really where your heart and passion lies. Yeah. So as my path transcended (laughs) across a couple States and, and different um, universities to North Carolina state. um, So North Carolina state is where I developed my passion and interest in neurology. So I've always, always loved 
the nursing care angle. Um, when we first um, transitioned to North Carolina, um, I, you know, I worked in a variety of roles, more as a floating technician in ICU and the wards and in other areas. At that point, the college did not have what they call um, clinical technicians that were assigned specifically to services, somewhat like um, a nurse practitioner uh, for various disciplines. But the, the college many years ago created that model to, again, almost create that extension arm for the specialists, but having technicians trained in um, you know, specialty areas. And neurology was actually the first service at NC State that had a CT. Wow. Um, I, I, I got to be the first CT um, at the college. So <laughs> that means I'm a little gray, but it's all good. <laughs> but I, you know, essentially I was already working with a lot of the cases. I gravitated um, towards some of the neuro cases because I did like that nursing care piece. Um, and so when neurology was allowed to hire their first CT, I already did have a relationship with many of the neurologists there. And I liked that type of work. And I was really starting to do a lot of rehab and, and other pieces with those cases. And so um, for me, it just felt like a very natural um, transition. I, I found neurology the, the very intense study in that specific area, very fascinating. Um, you know, my father had had um, a stroke and some other things. So there were some family things that also um, lent themselves more to learning more about how neurologic, you know, challenges um, face us all, whether it's animal or man. And then um, having the early opportunity to see, you know, um, to really see how interventions can transform a patient back, you know, from completely ambulatory to, to walking again. And um, just the power of that being part of that entire process just became so impactful to me. And, you know, Julie, you were there when a lot of the spinal therapies were being developed, right? Um, yes. Well, I mean, they were doing quite a few. They've certainly advanced um, over the years. A uh, rehab, you know, rehab and and physical, um, physical rehab, et cetera, in the canine world was really just being in an animal world. I should say not just canine, but it was very becoming very popular for canines. You know, was not as advanced. So I have certainly um, worked with many. You know, a lot of our therapy was more hands-on. We had very limited equipment. You know, I've loved seeing actually have played a role in the early development of some of the, the um, rehab group as well, because, you know, again, it's a great avenue, um, you know, having more people that are specifically trained um, in the modalities is so powerful. And, um, you know, and also having more equipment and technology available to us means less physical wear on our own bodies. So, Okay, so let me, <laughs> I want to elaborate on what you just said. Less physical wear on our bodies. <laughs> our, our profession, we know, has an expiration date of about five to six years. Um, in fact, I put a post on Facebook the other day because there's a, a clinic in North Carolina that's hiring at, at 925 for a credentialed technician. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the highest paying offer I could find was 18 to 20, and that was a corporate practice in Raleigh. And 
I actually pulled the stats for North Carolina, and it was a one adult, one child family would need to make eighteen fifty an hour to live a comfortable life. Now we know that comfortable life means rent, groceries, transportation, nothing else, not health insurance, you know, not the kids' soccer cleats, anything like that. So Miss Julie, what has led to your over 20 year career? Like what is it that has made you so resilient and longevity? And like for our technicians out there who are truly in despair, because there are a lot thinking, I would be better off at Starbucks. What do you say? So, yeah, that it is an interesting um, path, and it's it's been a uh, you know long term um, career for me. It's funny because as as I noted, I've gone to a couple um, different universities since my associates in Minnesota. I went back and received my bachelor's um, at UW Madison, more in kind of communications and scientific natural science area. Um, I have continued at each location to add to my education, um, add to my skills, and also um, reach out. I mean, I, you know, this award is an example where, you know, beyond the work that I do, yes, burnout is real. (laughs) Um, Salaries still have a long ways to go. Um, But at the same time, um, as I look back, I have had some of the most incredible opportunities um, in my career path and not, not the award. So it is spectacular, but it, it isn't that it's the little things that, that happen on a daily basis. And I, yes, I have, you know, gone through periods of burnout. I've gone through periods where I've really had to pull back and just say, really you need to put back into you. You've been giving, you know, to everybody else. Um, and you need to just take a step back. At the same token, though, you know, making sure that I have stayed, you know, plugged in to the state and national level. Yeah, it's frustrating. But if I spend even a little bit of time today and mentor another technician or help my, you know, associations at the state level, national level or specialty level, um, I won't be able to do everything today that I want to fix. But if I'm doing a little bit, it energizes me. It it helps me. You know, I look back now and I go, wow, look at how far the profession has come. If I get caught completely in um, being um, just kind of stuck in, in frustration, and I know that can happen and I'm not mis- minimizing it at all because we've all been there. But if I can just do a little bit today, maybe it's outreach and going to help like I did with the hurricane and with victims and with lost animals, um, or if I can help, you know, on the CE front or the organization and association front, um, or, you know, at the College of Veterinary Medicine and helping the next generation of veterinarians understand what a, a huge gift they have. And if they leverage and build up their support staff and pay them well, um, that we're all going to, you know, that boat, as they say, is going to just float a bit higher for everybody else. And so it's really been those many, many pieces over the years that have kept me in it. There have been times I've wanted to just kind of um, step away and go, you know, maybe I'll do, <laughs> maybe I'll do <laughs> today. But, you know, it keeps drawing me back. Like, um, I, 
you know, even I think even if I chose to leave, it wouldn't leave me. It's part of who I am. And and if I can just continue to make a difference each day in a variety of different areas, that that energizes me. And I'm also giving back to the profession that has really allowed me so many opportunities. I just I literally have goosebumps. Uh, if I left it, it wouldn't leave me. And I think that <laughs> that's the underlying message, right? There's so many of us that it's just truly, it's part of our core. Um, so, Miss Julie, that was beyond inspiring. So now I guess I want to ask you about a memorable case. Like, I'm I, all over these years, you've probably have thousands, but... Can you just talk to us about like that one case that will never leave you kind of, you know, along those lines that you'll just never forget this one? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's hard to put, you know, as I think I noted um, before, I could probably fill a novel now. Maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These memorable cases. Um, But there's I can probably I can point to I don't know if I can do just one. Can I do two really briefly? Sure. Of course. So I'll bring one from my teens growing up. I was not a veterinary nurse yet, but I was really already in training. I just didn't know it. Um, And I have another person that has been so significant to my life, um, Lou McNerney, who is also um, deceased with my dad. They're having a good old time. Mm -hmm. Um, But she um, uh, had a hardware store in Fairmont, but also trained and and rode horses and um, just amazing woman on many levels. and she really took me under her wing and um i had that horse passion but she really needed me to prove myself first um at a certain point in time though a little pony that had been part of their family line um she received a call that it was in really poor condition um they needed somebody to take it in and or it was going to probably the kill lot i don't know it was pretty rough um and she needed somebody to help. She said, I'll go get it, but I need somebody to help me. Will you do it? And I'm, you know, I'm doing backflips, <laughs> a, a very, you know, preteen and a pony. <laughs> so we loaded up the trailer, um, hot July day in Minnesota, uh, drove over about 30 minutes. And here's this little paint pony tied, actually chained to um, a brick with her, you know, summer coat still on, uh, just emaciated, her hooves curled up. Um, and you know, in really poor shape, but her knicker was just heart, heartfelt and heartwarming. And so Lou and I started working with her. We didn't know what we, if we'd ever get her back to any level of riding. She had supposedly a show pony, um, in her younger days, but Lou through that just very meticulous day to day. I mean, she's like, you have to come out every day. You have to do some work with her. It's not all going to be fun. It's going to be work. She may not even like you. We don't know that. Um, and I'm like, I'm in. You know, I was in before I really knew. I had heard her speak to me, right? And if we listen close enough to our animal companions, you know, we do. We hear oftentimes um, what they're asking us for. And so she she restored to an incredible level. Um, she restored back to being able to drive her in a cart physically, emotionally. I mean, she just turned into, you know, when you talk about a diamond in the rough, I mean, she was, and, and she was never quote mine, but she was, I was always her foster mom. Um, and she always, she stayed with Lou and until the end. And, 
So that was an early one. And that was so powerful. And, and that coaching and mentoring from Lou um, was, well, I think, you know, so many things intersected at that point in time. I could have gone a lot of different directions, um, but instead I really became hyper-focused on what that care model looked like and what could happen with that restoration. And so that was pre-veterinary nursing, really, but it was veterinary nursing. It was already carving a path. I just didn't know it. You know, I get the opportunity now to look back and go, wow, um, so impactful. Um, And then, you know, as I look at where I headed to and in neurology, for example, at NC State, and we certainly have had um, our share of uh, wobblers and different things that needed post-op care, but one in particular um, that came from, I think, down near the coast by you guys, Laddie, and um, he was a wobbler. He was from a group of uh, Dobermans, and um, I became always very close to every single patient, but he, he in particular took um, an incredibly long time to recover, to restore, Um, And we worked with him, you know, daily, several times a day often in his care model um, because the owners live so far, well, far enough away that they couldn't come every day. We worked with him and he stayed at NC State during that time. And he literally was, um, you know, hands on intensive care for almost a couple months. And the owners would come and visit about once a week, but um, they didn't have the resources to keep him there. And everybody was almost at a point where they were going to say, you know, we're not going to ever get him to a place where he can go back with with his family and his pack. He was um, coming the right way, but not, not enough. Um, and not sure if the neurologic damage that he had sustained you know, was, was permanent. And so there was a day where the family came and that was kind of that last day, you know, we all have been there. It's sort of like that big decision and none of us like it. We know it's sometimes necessary. It's one of the hardest things I think all of us have faced, but um, I had, you know, in this case had really let my, I mean, he was my dog at work, right? I, let my boundary down as far as my attachment to him and they visited we showed him what he would do they left saying they'll have a decision by Monday Um, we all saw that it was not to where we wanted it I went down after that just to to grab a bite to lunch and you know was sitting there just really, really discouraged, you know, because you get filled with so much hope every sure. time you get animal take a step after surgery and then another step. And so those step by steps and and hopefully even for us, right, those steps we take, we hope build us up. And in the neurologic dog and post trauma, we hope it builds them back up. But we all know in human and animal medicine that sometimes it doesn't, or it may only go to a certain point. And, you know, bodies have a remarkable recovery ability, but we don't always get a hundred percent. And I'm sitting downstairs. And at the time, the college still had 
the crazy overhead system where, you know, anything happened, it, it was blasted across the college. And it was a, still the small, just one CV, single CVM building. We didn't have the Terry Center that we have now and um, the research building and stuff. And so everybody also heard what was, <laughs> went over them. And I'm not even downstairs 10 minutes, just having some water and, and lunch. And um, somebody blasts over the loudspeaker, Julie Nettafee, you need to come back up, <laughs> you know, to neurology. And I'm like, oh man, you know how we all are. It's like, I finally just got a break and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm starving and I'm emotionally spent. And I just want to go outside and, you know, have my moment. And, and I kind of ignored it initially and then it got louder and I come up and here is this dog. And after the owners left, like he, he was unstoppable. He was not going to stop walking <laughs> from <laughs> the front door. Like he wow. knew it was, it, I mean, I just was standing there. I mean, the tears just came down my face that day. Um, and we called the owners, you know, and it was just incredible. And I think that was another one of those types of cases where you're just like, oh my goodness. Now I didn't do that myself, right? It was an entire team of gifted neurologists and care people, um, caregivers that would that were working in our kennel and front desk staff and and us doing rehab, but it was so incredible. And people, you know, knew that I was probably going to take that dog home if they didn't take him, right? (laughs) So I think, you know, there's lots and lots of cases that stand out, but some like that where you're just like, oh my goodness, like I, I have not just witnessed an amazing, um, amazing recovery. I have witnessed a miracle. And, and I have gotten the opportunity, the incredible opportunity and gift to be a part of that. And I'm not going to miss the gift, right? I'm going to hold that gift. And when I get to places where I'm not doing very well in veterinary medicine, right? Those gifts, we can um, get myself all <laughs> emotional. <laughs> but what I do, I'm good for Hallmark. <laughs> but but it's those gifts that we can open back up or look at again um, and remind us, you know, of the difference that each and every one of us um, can make on a daily basis with our cases. So. Wow. Well, Julie, you have made a difference in so many lives. The gift that you are giving to not only your patients and your colleagues, but to the profession is profound. Check her out. The Hero Vet Awards. I am so, so proud to have her on the podcast today. It is, of course, sponsored by the American Humane Association. Check them out. HeroVetAwards.org. You can read more about Julie, her story. Uh, There's probably some clips from the show. There's a television show where they announce it on the Hallmark Channel, as uh, Julie just alluded to but again julie netafi check her out uh hero vet awards nc state college thank you so much oh thank you so much dr ward and becky for this amazing opportunity and for your continued just support all across the profession it is it is remarkable and it's lifting us all up so thank you 
So viewfinders, if you have a special veterinarian or veterinary nurse in your life, be sure to go to Hero Vet Awards. You can nominate them for next year. There are hundreds and hundreds of uh, nominees, so definitely check it out. It's a lot of work, but I'll tell you, every time that uh, I get a person like this coming across my desk as a nominee, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So viewfinders, connect with us. Let us know what you think about Julie's story. Let us know how you're dealing with COVID these days. Reach us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, even on Twitter, where I play occasionally. That's right. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we're not particular. Download us on your favorite <laughs> platform. Make sure you subscribe. If you get a chance to go over to iTunes, you can give us those stars and leave some feedback. We want to know what you want to hear. And don't forget, subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of The Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yay. Yay. That was excellent. <laughs> Good.